Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is Dana Donafrey. Dana is the founder of Ana Ono Intimates, a lingerie and loungewear company that was designed specifically for women with breast cancer. Last year, Ana Ono made a splash at New York Fashion Week, and their designs have been featured in a slew of national media. Dana, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I am super excited because you are just amazing, and your story is is very inspirational as well. So I think that's a good place to start. Um, This podcast is for people who are looking to make a big change in their life. But sometimes we don't really get to choose when that change happens. Sometimes external circumstances force us into something that maybe we weren't planning. Sometimes we get sick. And that's what happened to you at a young age. Yeah, I, um, you know, now that I'm out of the thick brush, you know, I can really, on some level, be grateful. Um, If I could turn back the hands of time, you know, I absolutely would. But having cancer also gave me um, my dream job. And that was to own my own business. So here I am. And and who's to say where I would have been um, without the cancer diagnosis, but it did a lot of amazing things for me. And, um, and a lot of really horrible things. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's, there's always a yin and yang to everything in life. Well, can we get a little bit more into that story? So you were only 27 years old when you got diagnosed, right? Correct. I actually um, literally got my call from the doctor with my diagnosis a day before my 28th birthday. Oh, my gosh. And that must have been absolutely shocking and terrifying. It, uh, there's no other way to describe it than pure utmost blackness. Um, Mm. my mind just went into a tunnel and all I could hear over and over again was the word cancer and every bad word that was associated with it. Aggressive, infiltrative, um, Mm. you know, you need to call and, and get the doctor immediately. And, and it was really, uh, it felt like life or death, um, in that moment. And, um, I was actually also preparing for my wedding. So uh, not only was I turning 28 the next day, I was also holding a bridal shower in my hometown in Ohio. And uh, it it turned out to be a a good thing because, you know, I was surrounded by friends and family that have loved me, you know, for my entire life. And, And we were able to cry really hard and laugh really hard. And I was able to, you know, process a lot of it, you know, within a short time frame before I was able to get back to Colorado where I was living and, and hit the ground running. So. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly a message nobody ever wants to get, but then I guess we go on and we deal with it. And, and, you know, from, from that very dark black moment um, came this whole new business for you. So before before, I guess, you know, it's, it's like this line, right? Before and after your diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Before, um, what was your life like? 
you know, before my life was uh, a, a typical mid-20s, uh, working hard. I lived my life in the fashion industry. I had been in New York City. I worked high fashion. I had then met uh, my fiance and we moved out to Colorado. I was still in the industry, traveling the world back and forth. Uh, you know, no cares in the world whatsoever. Uh, we were making money. We were young. We were having a good time. And uh, life was pretty typical um, all up until that moment where, you know, everything changed. Right. And so everything changes. You're, you know, obviously gripped by this, um, I want to say fear. I don't know if I, I don't want to put that word in your mouth, but, you know, this blackness, this, 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 epic moment that happens. And, um, and then as you proceeded with treatment and, and progressed through this onward on this journey that you were suddenly on, you, um, were suddenly aware that there was a, a lack of undergarments that were <laughs> beautiful and, um, appealing to, um, women that were going through similar, you know, health issues. Yeah. I, I, in some respect was ready for some of the challenges that I did face. I felt ready for my mastectomy surgery. I didn't feel ready for the repercussions afterwards. Um, I felt ready for, for chemo. I knew I was going to lose my hair. I knew that I had a chance of losing my eyebrows and my eyelashes. I knew I was going to feel sick and tired. What I wasn't prepared for was how dramatically my body was to change after my mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. And that started with my underwear drawer, but it went through and ravaged my entire closet. Um, you're just, your body is built differently and you know, you have steroids during chemo. So you may be up 20 pounds or you may be down 20 pounds and, uh, you don't really necessarily think about how you're going to dress yourself um, amidst all of this dramatic uh, treatment and doctor's appointments that you're going through. But I was 20, you know, now 28 years old and I was living paycheck to paycheck like most 20 year olds are. And I didn't have a choice to not go to work every day. I mean, I, I had to peel myself up off that couch and I had to show up for work and I had to do my job. And so that's really where that stress and the challenge of how am I supposed to dress myself uh, became very relevant uh, in sort of my treatment and my life throughout that year. And I expected it to end. I thought, okay, after the surgeries are done, after the treatment is done, after my hair starts to grow back, everything goes back to quote unquote normal. And I was so wrong. And you know what? There's something to be said for you're going through something like that, that kind of aggressive treatment or whatever, and your body's going through all these changes and you're dealing emotionally with everything and physically, obviously. And then there's this other part of you. Fashion obviously had been so important to you, looking good, feeling good in your clothes, um, feeling attractive. And, and then suddenly it's all, like you said, your clothes don't fit anymore. Your underwear doesn't fit, you know. <laughs> It, it it sounds, it might sound trivial, but it's not. Like it becomes an important thing, especially for a young woman to want to look good, right? Well, you know, the way we look is a way that we express ourselves. Um, it could be, you know, what whatever that image is of yourself or the image that you want to put forth in the world comes from 
how we do our hair, how we do our makeup, how we dress ourselves. And, you know, going into an office where I was managing a $30 million account, you know, walking in in sweatpants and a sweatshirt isn't going to cut the bill. (laughs) So, um, you know, I was trying to constantly find like shirts that would cover my neon pink or my neon green sports bra strap because that was all I could find to wear. And I ended up having to morph my entire wardrobe um, all to have all of these things that didn't make me feel like me. You know, it was mm. it was a very inner confidence that I'm like, God, I don't look like myself. I don't feel like myself. Uh, so I really just went on this like self-exploration journey that led me every which way to Sunday. I mean, if, if, if you meet or you see me, I'm like 90% of the time in all black. It's just, it's the quintessential New York designer wardrobe. <laughs> it's just simple. <laughs> right. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to go wear prints. I'm going to put color on. I'm going to try it all. And it was really funny because after I did that for a few months, I'm like, nope, this is wrong. <laughs> this is not me. <laughs> but you tried. And, but you tried, you know, because you, there is, you sort of hit this reset button and you sort of hit, you know, this, this opportunity to try new things in your life that maybe you didn't think about trying before. And and that's kind of where I used that journey. Uh, but I kept snaking back around to my underwear drawer because it all evolved around what did I put on that first layer, that first guard on my body. And, and I was just, I was not happy with it. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror I didn't feel good about the way I was dressing. I couldn't be intimate with my fiance. And all of those things is what led me to, you know, really sorting, seeking out an answer that worked for me and coming up with really nothing. Yeah. And that's so interesting. So with your background, then you one day got the idea, well, why don't I just create this thing that doesn't seem to exist out there? And you did. I did. yeah, tell us about that process. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I really started out with trying to understand the problem. Um, I didn't jump into designing something that worked. I needed to know what didn't work. And that's usually how I attack uh, a lot of my projects is what's not working, what's going wrong, where's the gaps, how do we fix it? And I quickly found uh, through my own experience, but also through talking and speaking to many, many other women in similar circumstances, that underwires were, quite frankly, horribly uncomfortable and a molded cup was incredibly ill-fitting. So I don't know how many of your listeners are women, but um, I would imagine there's, there's quite a few. And if you could just close your eyes and pictures going into a a lingerie store and not wearing an underwire bra and not wearing a molded cup, you're really left with just a sports bra. Not much. Yeah. Not much. And, and that's really what, um, I ended up coming up with and I'm like, wow, this is just really incredible that we're so limited, but then the market itself is so narrow. So that's what I wanted to make sure was to provide this alternative, uh, shape and design that wasn't going to push or prod or cause any discomfort on a woman, you know, who, who needs an alternative uh, option to the traditional bra market. And, and that's where Anna Ona was born. So Dana, when you started, you, you know, you didn't know if it was going to be an Etsy store or um, really take off as a business and it really has taken off as a business, but what is your um, reach now? Like where can people find your products? 
Well, you know what's so funny is uh, just to to back up just for a minute. Um, I do a lot of speaking now to um, other women entrepreneurs and people that want to start uh, their own businesses and, and kind of what's the first step. And it's really funny because my advice to them is always do a business plan. And my second tip is don't do anything until you do a business plan. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Did you have a and business the, plan? I did not have a business plan. Uh, okay. No. And, um, you know, I think what, what I learned from that was when, when I kind of say I didn't know if it was a hobby or a business, I didn't know if it was a hobby or a business because it didn't matter to me. I knew I needed to do this. I knew I had the skills where I could design something great for women just like me. And I was jumping off into that abyss no matter what. But had I done a business plan, I think I would have taken everything much more seriously, much sooner. And that's, that's sort of the difference because I would have been able to plan for my growth rather than trying to, you know, constantly chase my tail and, and find, find new ways to find financing or find more money in my bank or however I needed to do to kind of, you know, take that next step up or that next leap up because, um, it was in, uh, about April of 2015, uh, the Today Show wrote an amazing article about, um, myself, my journey and the launch of Anna Ono. And that just took off. It took off around the world and it taught me very early on. And I knew this already, but you know, breast cancer is not an American woman problem. Uh, this is an epidemic around the world. Uh, there's approximately 8 million people with breast cancer around the world. 3 million of those are in the U.S. So what I learned really early on and I started thinking about was um, I have customers all around the world um, that come and find, you know, AnnaOno.com and they shop and they ask us questions and we help them with their fit and their surgeries and we ship to uh, you know, throughout Europe, South America, Australia, Canada, Mexico, Asia. I mean, really, it's, it's been incredible. But I actually learned that even though being a woman with breast cancer in the United States is difficult in this realm, all the other women around the world, it's more difficult. Mm. And um, there's still a stigma based around the disease. There's still education and awareness that needs to happen so women can control and manage their own health. And all of these things kind of play, play into the, the matter of what does it mean to be a woman, you know? And women love to feel beautiful. Women love to feel proud and good about themselves. And it's a really hard thing to do after your body's been mutilated from a disease, any disease for that matter. Yeah, wow. Well, you're obviously filling a very important need, and it's so great to see a heart-centered business, you know, in line with purpose and everything, and and also being successful and a woman-owned business. And it's it's really, really inspirational to see that. So um, that's cool. I want to ask you though about so you've you've um, you created these products that you can now offer to women around the world to help them in some, you know, maybe not so small way, feel better about themselves and uh, what they're going through. But in doing all of this, it, you've created a community of women who are sharing their stories and, you know, kind of like 
becoming part of this brand. It's bigger than the, <laughs> it's bigger than the products. It's so much bigger than the product. And um, I learned very early on that I wasn't selling a bra. And that might sound crazy, but it was more the experience and the opportunity to get to feel like yourself again. And uh, since I did learn that so early, we don't move an inch without thinking about the woman that receives the package on the other side or what it's going to do for another individual's life or what it means to our community. Because we know right now that we have a voice and we can hopefully afflict some change with that voice. And um, it's not always the easiest thing for a small business to take on not only the lack of education and knowledge that most people that are not faced with this disease don't know, um, but also, you know, to, to use that voice and propel that voice and make change by doing so. And I, I realized that my business was all of these things. And um, it's been a really heavy weight. I've self-funded the entire business to date. Um, I'm actually bringing on um, my first uh, round of investors here within the next month. And I'm just, I'm so excited about that because we can do so much more. And, uh, and it's just really incredible that these people believe in me and are ready to support the cause and ready to support this change. So when you're talking about doing so much more and having influence, are you talking in the political sense? We, we do it on all levels. Um, we lobby on Capitol Hill. Uh, I will soon be lobbying with uh, some insurance companies to try to affect some change on, on what uh, really a, a woman needs after a mastectomy surgery and, and what should be covered by insurance. And uh, we try to also do it within the face of our own community. Uh, there's likely that you can go through almost my entire website and never see a pink ribbon. Um, we are not marketing to women with breast cancer to make money <laughs> or to say that we're, you know, af affecting um, change. We, we want to cure this disease. Um, I, I say all the time, I hope in 20 years I can gracefully close my doors and take a bow because we're no longer needed. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be in 20 years. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be in my lifetime, but I sure as hell hope it's within my niece's lifetime, you know, and, and we can use that because we've got the voice of the community. We, we can talk out about these things and hopefully, you know, use that to make change. I mean, just, just at New York fashion week in February, you know, I mean, we showed the world what breast cancer actually really looks like. And we didn't show them a pink ribbon. We showed them real individuals whose bodies were ravaged by the disease. And nobody had done that before. What, you know, why aren't we having these conversations? Why aren't we talking about, you know, a woman losing her breasts and what that means to her sexuality and her to her intimacy and to her body image and to her confidence? Why don't we talk about what cancer does to, you know, once you have to remove your ovaries or your uterus or, you know, and you're tw and you're 30 years old and you haven't had kids yet? Those are the conversations we should be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 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 I know it's heavy, but you know, I think the, the shift that's happened in the last 10 to 20 years is that it's not grandma's disease anymore. Um, a lot of diseases aren't grandma and grandpa's disease anymore. They're happening, unfortunately, you know, to younger and younger humans around the world. And 
that means that we're coping with different challenges and and different uh, restrictions in our lives that you know aren't necessarily the hot topic of conversation. Because when you were 85 and you got breast cancer, you know, you you've lived a full life. Right. Uh, an 18 year old that gets diagnosed with stage four breast cancer has not lived a full life. We have to talk about that. Yeah, I love your spirit and your energy. You're you're this warrior woman, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> It's great, and it's uh, it's it's much needed, obviously. Um, let's just backpedal a teeny bit back to that fashion week because that is um, certainly a, a pivotal moment or an important moment for your company. So, what was that? So, so set us up for that. Like, what was that? What what did you do exactly? And what was that like? Well, first of all, um, for me as a designer and as for Anna Ono, I mean. It's the epitome of, of what you work for as a designer is heading to New York Fashion Week. And I got this amazing opportunity because a dear friend of mine who is the founder of a nonprofit called Hashtag Cancerland had an opportunity to do a show um, in, in the effort to raise funds and bring awareness to breast cancer uh, at New York Fashion Week. And uh, And she reached out to me and we decided to join forces that we would do a runway that's never been seen ever before. And we uh, casted 16 individuals uh, that ended up walking the runway that exposed scars, exposed single breasts, exposed no breasts. And in doing so, we wanted to make sure that everybody understood that just because you're diagnosed with breast cancer... And you are likely, you're, you're stage four. Um, over uh, Nearly half of the individuals are, are stage four breast cancer. That means that they're terminal, that their life is catastrophic. Um, there is no cure. So, so their end is only death. They look like everybody else on the street. They look strong. They look beautiful. And they're dying. And, and that is what we're up against with this disease is that Individuals with breast cancer don't look sick until the very, very end. And because not all the chemos that we're on require us to lose our hair. Um, And when we lose our hair is when we look sick. So we wanted to make sure that there was a message out there that we can stand tall, we can be strong, we can show our army, and we're not going to sit and cry in the corner. And uh, it was really that power and that energy that, that changed the momentum on many levels. To date, uh, the show was in February. We are, what, now in September. We've lost uh, the founder of Cancerland, Champagne Joy herself, uh, to breast cancer. And we lost one of our models, um, Shanae, uh, also to breast cancer, just uh, weeks after the show. Hmm. And that's the reality. Um, You know, we're burying 113 people a day uh, due to the stage four terminal diagnosis. And, uh, we don't, you know, we don't have a cure and we don't have long-term treatments yet. And and we need them because these are our mothers and our sisters and our friends. You know, we've got to try to save these lives. Yeah. That that's terrifying. The statistics are terrifying. 113 people a day. Is that a number that's national or is that worldwide? That is just here in America. Oh my goodness. I, uh, I was just in Colombia. I manufacture some of my products in, in Colombia, and I met with the head of uh, their 
very large nonprofit called Moda Rosa. And uh, she told me that uh, the Colombian women have a little bit over 30% chance of, of dying from their diagnosis in, in their country. And, and that a, a third, I mean, that's wow. a third of, of the diagnoses are, are dead within five years. And, um, and, you know, we're, I'm really getting involved with them because, you know, I think we learn a lot here in America on how to detect and how to make sure that we're calling the doctor. And, and, you know, that is one of the stigmas that we have to, that we have to talk about that, you know, women need to see their doctors and they need to be their own advocates and, and, you know, take care of their health, um, especially their, you know, their breast health and their ovarian health and their, you know, their lady bits, (laughs) call them all the lady bits. (laughs) So we've got to, we've got to, you know, encourage and empower each other. Yeah, and I love that that's part of your message because, you know, obviously this is a terrifying, deadly disease. And I, I, I know that that language isn't even strong enough for what this is. But your message of empowerment, you know, there is, there, there's obviously a huge need for the drugs and the traditional medicine and all of that. But it's to the mindset, in my belief, is important as well. And to be a, I guess, a role model or to be, you know, someone that's showing this empowerment and the spirit that you've been able to do. And, and with your brand, you've been able to reach so many more people. I I've just, you know, want to kind of like shout out to that and say that, you know, I, I hear what you're saying that we need to do so much more, but, but it's so great that you have been able to um, be a voice in all of this. Well, and I think, you know, what, what's important to me is that, you know, I'm not in a business to make money. I'm not saying that, you know, I don't want to make a living, right? I, I need to make a living. We all need to make a living. But I think there's an old way of doing business where companies were built so they could roll over these profit lines every year and yeah. grow and grow and grow. And what I love about being in the entrepreneur community and the small business community now is there's not a lot of people building those companies anymore. We, we build our companies because we also want to see social and economic change. And I, I'm really proud to, to stand next to so many entrepreneurs that are doing the same thing, where they know it's, it's not just business feeds our economy. Business pays people. Paying people gets food on the table. That's life, but I don't need to reap all of these profits unless I need to grow my business, but whatever I can do to give back, I'm going to be giving back in the process because that's what being in business should mean. Being in business should be increasing and improving the communities around you. And I I like that we're sort of all energized with this secondary or tertiary sort of belief that we're trying to do good in the world while also running businesses that are doing good. And, and that means a lot to me right now, especially. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think that there is a trend towards that, and it is very encouraging, I guess, to see that that seems to be the way things are going. And, you know, I think because my main business is marketing and we do video production, and um, I, I think a lot about this, how in the past, you know, maybe marketers were like broadcasting their message, but now it's more personal, you know, now it's more, we're, we're able to speak to one person at a time 
a thousand times over, a hundred times over, a million times over, whatever it is, but it's right. really, really personal. And your brand is really, really personal too, and how you're connecting with people. That's absolutely, yeah. And I think, um, and, and that started from the very beginning. You know, I immediately thought about what that response and what that reaction and what that feeling and experience was going to be on the other side. You know, when whoever bought, you know, an Anna Ono brawl, what they needed to feel or experience when they got the product, you know, and mm-hmm. got the bra or got the, the loungewear piece or, or got the sweet note because they're heading into a mastectomy. Like all of that is just such a huge, huge part of, of what we do. And, and it is, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it can be more personal now because of the world that we live in, which um, I think is, is great. Yeah, I do as well. And do you have, um, I kind of want to, I need to wrap this up because we're running out of time, but, you know, are there some things that have come out of this that, um, you know, maybe you could share with us that we as humans might need to know? You know, I, I do. And I learned something that I feel everybody should know. I learned it way too early in my life and I'm glad I did. And that is that time does have a definition and time has a very clear definition to me, right? I live my life on the basis of stats, how long I get to stay here. Um, I've been living my life with statistical time limits for the last seven years. And I just, it's given me the opportunity to live every moment in the moment and appreciate the things around me in that time. And thinking about the people that I love and care about and doing the things I want to do. I mean, you know, people always ask me, how did you start this business? God, weren't you afraid? Yeah, I was afraid. Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid every single day. But what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to go out of business. I'll get another job. I don't know. Maybe I'll go be a, a massage therapist <laughs> you know, or, or do something that's much, much less stressful. But in the same time, I, and, and maybe because I was in my twenties when I was diagnosed, time didn't have a definition. I thought I had all the time in the world and it's really adjusted me as a human and as a, um, aunt and as a lover and as a friend And I just encourage everybody to not think about their terminality or, you know, the end of their life, but think about the moment that you're in, because you really will experience things on a different level if, if you can just enjoy what's exact, you know, immediately in front of you. That is a message everybody can certainly take something from. Thank you for that. And I appreciate you being on the show today, Dana. It was lovely talking with you and hearing about your company and your um, challenges and your fighting spirit <laughs> and um, all we, that I think we doing. covered all the bases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, with your permission, I'd love to post that video of Fashion Week and, you know, maybe of you telling your story on my page and you have people come to that. And of course I'll put links to your website too. Perfect. Um, Um, Would love it. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. 
And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. My guest was Dana Donafrey. She's the founder of the Ana Ono line of lingerie and loungewear that's made for women who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. You can find this entire interview and links to her website and social media pages on our website, readysightgrit.com. Thank you for joining us, and please check in again next Friday when we release another episode of Ready, Set, Grit. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com, where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our eBooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.